Discussing Network. Hello everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today we are here to continue our Best of TOS series as we review a Season 2 episode of Star Trek The Original Series, The Immunity Syndrome. Like always, I'm your host Clarence, and today I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkie, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. Always glad to be on an episode of Discussing Trek, so... Glad to be here. Glad to be here. How about you? How are you doing today? I'm, I'm, I'm well, man. You know, it's just us. It's sort of like we're on a away mission. You know, we're uh, we're, we're, we're huddled up in, in the space shuttle and we're headed toward the planet. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, maybe in a little space nebula. Who knows? Amoeba, whatever. <laughs> Hopefully John will join us later. But if not, we'll try to, you know, keep 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 the ship afloat. So we are far into our best of TOS series. So far, we have reviewed Balance of Terra, Space Seed, The City on Edge of Forever, Amok Time, The Doomsday Machine, Last Week Journey to Babel, and now The Immunity Syndrome. If you want to watch up for what we will be reviewing next, it's going to be Return to Tomorrow. What we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, please leave a review and also subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you are currently listening on to make sure you don't miss an episode. And as always, we appreciate each and every one of you that uh, subscribe and listen to the show. So we will get right into our review of the original series episode, The Immunity Syndrome. The Immunity Syndrome is the 18th episode of the second season of Star Trek. It was written by Robert Sabaroff and directed by Joseph Pevney. He's directed a few of these episodes we've been finding over the last few reviews. It was broadcast on January 19th, 1968. The Enterprise encounters a gigantic energy draining space organism that threatens the galaxy. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle station. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. As always, we go to Cal Jones for our beats. You know, sometimes serious, sometimes comedic beats of the episode. Cal Jones, what do you got for us this week? Okay, so here we go. Are you ready for it? Let's do it. All right. A single cell. A loud screech. Back and forth and back again. 80%, 50%, 45% it goes. The story creeps along in a steady, question mark, pace from scene to scene. Keep your egos and your captain's libido in check, I say. But alas, I must stop before I am unkind. Maybe I should get some stimulants from A, not the doctor, and just hit rewind. Okay, all right. Well, you know, Cal, in my mind, he is the doctor, but I, I, I get your little Doctor Who nod there, of course. And let's just go ahead and talk about this up top. I have to say, uh, and, and, and I give Matthew a lot of credit. He's been writing in and telling telling us and, you know, giving us more examples how Kirk isn't, you know, maybe the player we all think he is. Um, that was just a few episodes. And, you know, for the most part, he's not really taking the women to bed or anything like that. But, man, that scene at the end was kind of creepy, wasn't it? Yes, because I, I had a line in here, and I took it out, that basically said it, it in 2020 it was 
Me too, but in 20-whatever-year-you're-in, it should be hashtag you too. Yeah. I'm like, wow. And I think that that was ad-libbed in. And if so, come on, William Shatner, that wasn't good. Yeah, it was it was just a little weird. But, you know, they were ready for some rest and refuge after, you know, being out in deep space for such a long time. So they were ready to get to some rest. But, yeah, I admit that was a little creepy. And since you gave us that wonderful beats of the episode, I'll just go ahead and say I did not like this episode. <laughs> I really didn't. And it's funny because I've been high on most of them that we've watched. I've been really enjoying them, really digging them. But for some reason, this one, uh, I just didn't, I didn't come away with all the tidbits and the nods and the references. It was meant to be, I think, a story unto itself. But I guess I just didn't enjoy that story as much. You know, we've kind of seen this formula over and over again. And of course, like most of the time we talk about classic and and, and early Trek, like this was the first of that model. But I guess because I've seen it before, it really didn't just I, I didn't enjoy it as much. I did, really didn't. So let me go back because I want to hit something else on Kirk real quick, because I have to go back and look at when this was being produced and because I think you just mentioned, you know, something about that. This is classic and everything. And I was kind of being a little heavy on Shatner saying, come on, it's not a good look. But and again, not absolving the creepiness factor of it. But in reality, whether you're in the future or not, you've got a person, a dude that's on a ship that is going off on these missions or whatever, sure leave, chances are if they're not married, there's going to be some type of rendezvous, put it put it however you want yeah, to. So I think that's only natural. He's an alpha he, male. Yeah. He's an alpha male. So I get that. And 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 that's just genetics. That's just being a dude. All of that. It and it's the sixties. <laughs> and if you look at the way the female crewmen were dressed Things were much more sexist back then. So that really where it doesn't feel right in 2021 was right at home in 20, I mean, 1960. So, yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt. I remember when me and Carrie used to talk about this a long time ago. I think it was a Tech Edition episode. We called him the intergalactic James Bond, <laughs> which, you know, that's not exactly what Kirk is. But, you know, I guess we kind of riffed on the. The seemingly pluralistic ways, but at some point, I definitely want to even maybe have Matt on to, to kind of talk about that a little bit more. And maybe even Lee, because I think Lee uh, Lee mentioned before that it seems like he might have been a player because, you know, these were not serialized episodes. They're like self-contained. So you really didn't have the opportunity to have a relationship go from episode True. to episode as much. Yeah. And I see John Jonathan Shorts is joining us. And I'll just ask off the top, man, what is your high level opinion of this episode? Oh, man. Um, this was so my immediate thoughts when we first seen it was Voyager's episode about the void with well, a series of episodes. So I kind of thought this is where that was going. And it didn't. And that kind of made it better for me. Really? I really did enjoy this. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know if you heard my opinion, but I I didn't I didn't like it that much. <laughs> I really oh, didn't. No. <laughs> is- and, if, and I don't know if you heard my uh, episode beats, but yeah, I didn't like it either. Well, 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 well Kyle, <laughs> Kyle, go ahead and, and just you know chime in, give us your opinions. Do you have any extended opinions beyond that of the high level view? I know you gave us that beautiful um, uh, beats of the episode, but any other extension of that you can add before we dive in uh, a little deeper? Sure, I will say that I feel like it was a good concept, but I struggled through watching this. It was slow. It felt like I left it and came back to I mean I it took three sittings to set through it uh, and the others you know I just watched them with effortlessly yeah but this one I struggled like I had to take my iPad and put it on the other side of the room to keep from picking it up because I couldn't keep invested in it it was borderline boring to it but I think it had good bones to the story, I just felt like you took a 15-minute short trek and turned it into a full-blown Star Trek. Hmm. Well, you, you know, I, I, I get it. I, I, if I had one critique about this episode, it, would be, it was lacking a lot of depth. It, it wasn't really one of those stories that, like, sucks you in and keeps you there and keep you guessing. And I mean, it, it wasn't that it was one of those, I like to call filler episodes that we, we come to kind of expect and trick. But that being said, it was still good for that. Hmm. I don't know. It, it, it was a light hearted. I found a lot of comedic moments in it. Um, I don't know. It's just a good filler for me. Like I just enjoyed watching it. It felt like it just, I had 15 minutes to waste, which was a 50-minute episode, but it just felt like a 15-minute waste of time that I enjoyed wasting. Wow. See, I thought it, I agree with Cal. I thought it may be drawn on a little bit too long. I will totally agree with you in that it did have some very funny moments, but it also had like some questioning moments as, start, as far as maybe just the logic of the episode. Um, you know, you mentioned it not going too much in detail. And that's that might be part of my issue, too, because I was always thinking like, OK, what happened to the intrepid? What happened to this entire galaxy that got swallowed up? How can you guys go in there and move around and, you know, get out? Uh, I was just, you know, the whole time I was just thinking of those logic questions of the mission. Uh, seeing as we just lost a, a ship and a galaxy <laughs> well, uh, a system at the same time. Um, so, well- yeah, that had me puzzled. I kind of got answers to that, I feel like. Hmm. I don't know. And maybe, I mean, I had the same questions, but I've, I felt like those concerns were addressed. However, lightly addressed, but they were addressed enough to keep me in the show. Oh, man. Talk me down, John. Talk me down. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't, we, we hadn't really got into the storyline about much of it, and I guess we'll get to it, but... I mean, they kind of address like, okay, so maybe the one problem, like assuming like where did, I don't know. And I guess we would, we would need some measurements on the size of this solar system and all that. But the amoeba thing in space, I mean, it was described, the outer shell is described as having, I don't know the word, debris, 
like encircling it. Yeah. And yeah. uh then they did I think they did mention something metallic or some some forms okay. of energy and t- you know, so that yeah, kind of yeah. explained to me a way like where the intrepid went. Now mm-hmm. how this thing could have swallow the entire solar system that may be a tad bit on the <laughs> you know reaching side of it but it did explain where it went if it did it which yeah. i was okay with i, I totally mm. agree um so so let me add this in real quick and jonathan please feel free to correct me if what i'm about to say is incorrect but one thing that i really like that i'm finding that i like about this episode is the simple fact that jonathan you were not a TOS person. And in fact, I think you've only recently started watching and going back since we started doing this podcast, going back and watching the original series. Am I correct there? Correct. And the fact that you like it and Clarence and I don't, I really like that for some reason. Wait, because we're old? No, I'm not saying we're old. I'm saying the fact that someone who has admittingly never really invested in the original series is going back and watching it and is finding positive things and something that you and I have admittedly saying, oh, well, we don't like it. I find that cool and actually ties into my beats of saying maybe I need to be kind and rewind and go back and watch it again. Yeah, it it certainly, you know, if you're coming for the the interactions and the you know our, our trio or our trinity their interactions, it had that in spades, and all of that I really enjoyed. Just for me, for me, I just found like the story didn't connect with me as well. And again, that could be due to me seeing a iteration of this in different series before coming back to watch this episode. Which iteration are you referring to? Uh, I think we've seen it a few times in Voyager. Um, uh, maybe not in an, a, a, a living a, a anomaly or a living species specifically, but we see some variation of, you know, they're in some void or some space they're trying to get out of, you know. It maybe happened. a not space, but a cloud or bliss as the two episodes from Voyager. So I'll give you an, a specific uh, Voyager example, and I don't know the name of this episode, but you remember it was the creature. So you remember Voyager, they kind of got a message they thought was coming from the Alpha Quadrant, and they yep. were found a way home, and it was a wormhole, and they got in. It, actually, this creature like was devouring everything in its path, and but it would play like mind games and kind of trick them to believe something they really wanted to believe, and then they ended up being stuck inside of it. Yeah, I think that was was the episode you just said, Cal. I think it was one of those. Um, there, there are two of them. One is called Bliss. The Voyager finds a wormhole that leads directly back to Earth, but Seven of Nine suspects that it may not be what it appears. Yeah, yeah, and I remember that, and that, I really enjoyed that episode. But it seems like. I even think of an episode that's not like a direct riff of this, but it seems similar. Uh, I think the episode is The Void, where the co- uh, the captain's like, there's coffee in this nebula, and they like go yeah. in and get stuck. It just reminds me of that a little bit. Yeah, that one is called The Cloud. That's The Cloud? Okay. Yeah. So in both cases, uh, and, I, I'm, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I believe you enjoy it more, and I did as well. Uh, especially the cloud part, the void, it was actually a story that went across multiple episodes. 
So you got a lot more detail about where they were, what they were doing to get out of it. Uh, they even met a couple of other species in the void. Uh, and Bliss, you know, it was just a little more to the story when you added in the mental telepathy of the creature and the other hunter guy that had been trying to kill the creature and he keeps going in willingly. I mean, it was a lot more layers to both yeah. stories, which make you enjoy it a little more. Well, well let's, let's get into some of that mental or telepathic capability, because I wanted to talk about Spock in this ep- episode. So so the Enterprise is headed to Starbase 6 for a little R&R, and Spock has this strong telepathic inference that a Vulcan ship and uh, called the Intrepid has been destroyed along with, you know, all of its 400 inhabit- inhabitants. Uh, I want to go guys thoughts on this because this is only honestly, excuse me, honestly, one of the hangups I have with how the Vulcan mind mill slash telepathy is portrayed. If you go back a few episodes and watch the episode Changeling, Changeling, you'll see a little bit more of what I'm talking about. But I I never liked the fact that Spock can mind mill with inorganic beings. And he says he senses the ship is destroyed, you know, in addition to the 400 Vulcan souls, you know, it it just always doesn't sit well with me. But like, what are you guys' initial thoughts on um, Spock and and this this uh, inference that he has? And I'm assuming it's kind of one of the first few times he does it um, in the series, because it seems like everybody else is puzzled by what's going on. Initially, it kind of puzzled me as well. Uh, and, you know, retroactively looking at Vul- Vulcan culture, you know, I- I'm saying, hmm, I've never, you know, look at Tuvok and any other Vulcan you see, you never see telepathic abilities being that strong or being impressed upon a Vulcan that strongly. So I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, uh, well, Man, it's just kind of weird because now this is supposed to be our first example of a Vulcan and he's showing some very strong telepathic abilities. Yeah. But later on in the episode, it kind of kind of explains it where I could be okay with it. And he was sensing and, you know, he had that conversation with McCoy, you know, about deaths of one and deaths of many. It was the fact that 400 Vulcans died at once. Hmm. And that telepathic explosion from them reached across space to impact Spock. So I was okay with that because I don't think I'm, I'm, and I don't anybody listening can come in and let us know, but I don't think there's really been an occurrence like that that would justify another Vulcan sensing that kind of emotion or thought. Like I don't remember that many Vulcans dying at once and then seeing the reaction of a single Vulcan somewhere else. Man, I, so plausible. I, yeah. I mean, I love how you put that as telepathic explosion. <laughs> I love that <laughs> word in there. That's pretty that's pretty fantastic. Um, Cal, like what are your thoughts? And also, maybe this is reminiscent of something we're gonna see in the future with a non Vulcan on a particular enterprise, uh helmed by uh John Luke Picard. Um, it felt very Deanna Troy to me. Yeah, see, it's funny you brought that up because I was sitting here thinking that while Jonathan was talking. And my understanding of the mind male, the concept of that is you can 
touch someone, you mind, and it's my mind to your mind, et cetera, and so forth. But there's the physical contact, et cetera, and so forth again. That said, I've never understood the Vulcans as being a telepathic type race. If at anything, they keep their mental state walled off from everyone else because of the logicness and the fact of him feeling the 400 dying to me is a stark contrast to the Vulcan mental state, as it were. Yes, does it feel like a Betazoid that you're feeling the emotions? Absolutely. And if you had focused more on they feel the feelings, but then again, there it flies directly contradictory to being a Vulcan is you shouldn't feel the feelings because that's not logical. So I don't know. It just felt weirdly acted, not saying anything against Nimoy's acting because he was just doing, you know, the role that he was given, but it just felt weird and weird, maybe. Yeah. And, <laughs> And, and Spock mentions that I know what I know, you know, kind of trying to explain what was going on. Um, but yeah, it, it did feel kind of weird, but I, I liked that for the episode just a way to convey information. But it, you know, we've seen so much in the future, it does feel a little off. And then, you know, once well, we go ahead, John. Well, I was just going to say, uh, to clarify, clarify a point, uh, Cal, you're mentioning, you know, from what you know about Vulcans, it's usually involved like physical contact. But we've had a few examples where their telepathy has been, there's been examples of their telepathy without that mind mill contact, physical contact. So, I mean, there was a point in Enterprise where T'Pol was telepathically speaking with uh, T'Pol, actually. And there was another Vulcan when he kind of forcibly mind milled it with her. Uh, it was points where they were kind of telepathically communicating. And I think there was a part on Voyager where Tuvok did it as well. So it, it doesn't necessarily re- involve the physical contact. Yeah. And, mm, and good point. And, and you do have, uh, when Sarek was, uh, Sarek was sick on, um, TNG, he was kind of, wasn't he driving people to kill other people? Yeah. And, um, also, um, if you want to go all the way up to Voyager, uh, Sarek and Burnham has uh, exchanged culture and they can communicate kind of in this otherworldly way. So I guess they have explored it more, but it still feels funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, like also when they get to sick bay, uh, we see Spock talking to McCoy in an almost preachy way about him being able to feel the souls on the ship. And he speaks to him, you know, um, in terms of death, the, the, we think of, we give a lot of reverence to one person dying. And why are you, uh, questioning me when I feel many? You know, he kind of question, he, he kind of jumps on McCoy for him having those feelings. And I, I was kind of weirded out by that conversation because I really didn't know what it meant. But as I watched the episode a second time, I kind of thought of maybe they were trying to, set up an analogy to where at the end uh, Kirk risked the entire ship, all the souls on the ship just to save Spock. 
Yeah, I think the quote was, you find it easier to understand the death of one than the death of a million. You speak about the objective hardness of the Vulcan heart, yet how little room there seems to be in yours, which I really like that because he was giving it to the doctor and I didn't like him. So, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Wait, you don't like the doctor? What? How dare you? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I of all the uh, Next Generation, Star Trek, all of the doctors that I've seen, he is by far bottom of the barrel. Oh, blasphemy! Wow, he's the funniest. Well, oh, lower than Crusher. Oh, 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 Pulaski? Crusher would be my top. Uh, uh, Crusher would be top doctor for me. Oh gosh, he's worse than Pulaski. Come on, now, Cal. Right okay, he may Kyle not be worse. I don't really even Kyle. consider her. So, yes, I would put Pulaski under him. But I'm sorry. I know this is blasphemy for Star Trek. But he is like, dude, get some bedside manner, please. Uh, boo, cow. <laughs> so, oh, not Crazy Bones. Yeah, Crazy Bones is the man. <laughs> so I want some hot takes right here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say a phrase, and I want to know what comes to your mind. Um, bridge crew reactions. <laughs> Trampoline park. <laughs> I was going to say bouncy room. So, Oh, my God. In this episode, it was off the chain. It all started when we got close to this dark void. Um, and... They start hearing this sound. That was the first instance of it, you know. And them hearing the sounds wasn't too bad. You know, they're kind of covering their ears like, oh, you know. Okay. okay, so let me say something real quick about the sounds. I was wearing my um, Air, AirPod things or whatever <laughs> they are. And those things, I literally had to take them out of my ears whenever they did that. <laughs> now that, you know what Aurora was going through. I was like, ow. mission accomplished (laughs) but seriously that i mean uh even imagining listening to it in 63 on a you know the tube television i'm sure that that was not a very comfortable decibel for people to be listening to so whoever created that sound kudos to them because it sure as hell hurt whenever i was listening to it That's too good. <laughs> oh boy! So, so this this piercing noise or this sound permeates the ship, causing symptoms of nervousness, weakness, irritability, affecting two thirds of the ship's personnel. And I guess we eventually find that this void that they're in is draining the life force of the ship as well as the humans. So, uh, it's uh, uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, they're kind of in this predicament where they can't really. Well, 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 let me let me say this before going any further further. I guess they probably had the opportunity to leave. But Kirk said something that kind of just jumped out at me. And I was like, whoa, I guess that's what they're here for. Right. Kirk makes this statement where he's basically saying that our orders are to stay they are to, are to investigate, not to stay alive or to retreat. I just found that message very stark because re- usually the captain's primary mission is the sa- primary objective is the safety of his crew. Um, but I guess here you do have a world ending or galaxy ending situation with this amoeba and they have no choice but to go and see what the heck is going on. 
at the moment, they didn't know that it would be a galaxy ending deal. Like, I, I kind of just took that as a petty stab at McCoy. Because, mm. you know, he was asking for recommendations. And McCoy said, I have one. Stay alive. <laughs> yeah, Let's go did. back. He did. Yeah. There were several of those. There was one point when uh, I guess McCoy was talking to Spock. He's like, damn it. Get back here or something, he said. And then Spock's like, oh, I didn't know you were the captain. <laughs> something to that effect. I just like bust out laughing. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, just their quips, man, are so great. If if nothing else in this episode, that's what I, I, I really loved. Yeah, there were some good uh, comedic moments throughout this one, which really kept me entertained. Especially with Spock. We see a lot. We've seen a lot of... I, 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 it wasn't direct comedy from Spock. He wasn't making the joke, but it was funny. Yeah, yeah. And sort of that fish out of water. Or, he has more quips than you would think he would have. <laughs> <laughs> he really does. To have no... Uh, not to display emotion. He He has some very good comebacks for the... His his uh, two com- compadres there, and 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 let me say this: and Nimoy delivers the line in such a stoic way that it becomes comedic even more so. Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. So, John, I have one for you, man, because I just want to get your thoughts on Kirk trying to get some information from his crew. He goes to Spock. Ask Spock what's going on. He goes to Scotty. Ask him, can he get the engines back uh, online? And basically, he gets, I don't know, from both of them. Usually, you don't get that uh, on Trek. Usually, they'll give you like, oh, I need to run an analysis or I'll have it in 10 minutes or something like that. But basically, both of them told him like, I don't know, Captain. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, another thing I got from this episode was an appreciation for Trek in this time period. So like you said, normally what we're used to seeing is like, they always have an answer or a, a plan to get an answer. They always have it. There's never a moment where he doesn't. And there was other instances like, uh, for instance, and I don't know which for this beginning and end, but when Kirk is on the intercom telling the crew that, it's going to be a abrupt maneuver and brace yourselves. You know, usually I'm thinking like if this was Picard or Janeway, you know, they'd say, hey, we're going to do this thing. Uh, you may want to take precautions, button down the hatches, make sure everybody's in their stations. And Kirk was just kind of like, hey, we're doing this thing. Get ready. you guys." <laughs> and basically, like, you know, your job. I shouldn't have to tell you your job type of thing. So yeah. I kind of took the crew like Scotty and Spock like. Listen, you're asking me for information and there is none. I'm not going to magically pull this out. My uh, butt. Like, like it's it. just no information. And I'll give you information when I have information. Like it's it's a very direct, no BS type of communication in TOS that I'm starting to notice. Yeah. Whereas further on in later series, you get a little more. I don't know what to call it, but it's just a little more easier transfer of information. Oh man, you are a hundred percent correct, and I I like that in this episode because to me it made Kirk shine a little bit more because especially when he's up there talking to to Spock and uh 
is this box is like insufficient data and Kirk's like insufficient data is not sufficient <laughs> hey man but kudos for uh, Captain Kirk when he says well listen and you expect this to come from Spock he said well if you can't tell me what it is tell me what it's not yes yes so good like, so freaking that good that was the man. most logical statement in this episode and it came from Kirk <laughs> <laughs> so freaking good, man! I, that that was my high moment of the episode. I I had to stand up and give a golf clap for that one. That was so good. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, if you you thinking about like Bellano or Chief O'Brien or something like that, would have been their response to the captain. Well, captain, I, there's no real information about what this is, but I can tell you what it's not. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what we would have expected to hear, but it actually came reverse from the captain. Yeah, and I don't know. You possibly could say Spock was off his game a little bit because of the you know whole uh, four hundred souls thing that you know might have threw him off. But but yeah, I just love Kirk not taking no or, or no information for an answer. You know, let's investigate. Let's do what we're here to do and figure it out. You know, Kyle, did you have a comment? You, no, I was agreeing with you guys, but I do have a question that is related to the story but maybe not related so you you want me to hold it or go ahead and ask it i'll go for it man so sulu because this is if you wonder why i've been quiet for a minute i've been trying to search the internet to see if i could find a reason so i can't find it so i'm going to ask the question why don't we see sulu on this episode i'm not sure if he was a permanent cast member in the second season well, I went to, you know, and I was thinking that too, but I looked, and at least according to Wikipedia, he's listed as seasons one through three. I mean, you know, one through mm. three, just like the others are. And the only reason I say that, I don't know if we're, I guess I didn't research, but the only reason I know that is because I heard George Takei talking on a few podcasts about, you know, that he was a reoccurring character. I don't know gotcha. how, how long that was. Gotcha. It could gotcha, have been gotcha, just gotcha, before gotcha. the first season, but I did hear him say that himself. So, Gotcha. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Then that answered my question. Thanks. Let's talk a little bit about the look of what we see on screen. Again, we've said before that these are revamped graphics, but I found myself, especially in some of the scenes where we're seeing the shuttle bay against the amoeba, um, I thought it the fact that we were in this void of space space or this void of layer of the amoeba with no stars it just made the enterprise look freaking beautiful and it i wonder did anybody else notice that oh it yes, did it was. yes i totally agree yeah i was just kind of shocked it almost like seemed like we had movie level cg for those parts because <laughs> it just looks so freaking good well there's one part in there where we see the amoeba on the main screen and then we switch to this other monitor that they're looking at within seconds of seeing it on the big screen. And the look, and as I'm assuming what it would have looked like in the original broadcast, oh my goodness, it looks so much less, you know, than the recreated special effects that they've done. So, um, yeah, I thought it looked amazing. Oh, I didn't even notice the... Um the the original scene in there of it i had to go back and research and see what yeah, it looks well, like well it, it it it's like they're looking and i may be wrong but but it's like they're looking at it and then they 
you know, change the view and somebody's looking at it from like a screen on a small computer or something, or at least that's my interpretation of what hmm. I thought I saw. And I was thinking, and I remember thinking, oh, yeah, I wonder if that's what it looked like on the big screen in the original broadcast. Let's talk a little bit about what I consider is like what we have in most of these TOS episodes is the impossible decision. <laughs> so we, we get this decision where we need to go on a shuttlecraft to go and investigate the amoeba because apparently a, uh, uh, what, what do you call it? A not drawn a, wow, a probe. Apparently a probe <laughs> wouldn't work. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. Um, McCoy volunteers himself for the mission. He, I kind of feel like he sees like he's bet, the best suited for the mission because he's a doctor and mainly he's the one with all the answers in this episode, whether you like him or not, Cal. <laughs> and, 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 and Spock feels like he's just overall a better candidate for the mission. And of course, the captain can't go. Did you guys suspect more of a scientific fascination from McCoy? I was kind of getting hints of that. Um, but just what are your thoughts on this overall? Who gets to go in this kind of dynamic here? Well, I I definitely got the scientific curiosity from McCoy. Um, I and I'll say this to lead off. I absolutely one hundred percent agree with Captain Kirk's decision and the reasons why. Uh, and we noticed from the start of this, Spock seemed to be the least affected physically by whatever was affecting everybody else. So if you're talking about sending someone inside of the thing with the best chance of survival, that would have been Spock. And as Spock mentioned, <laughs> he can operate the equipment and he knows, he knows what the doctor knows for the most part. Like, I mean, I and I guess, I mean, at this point, I'm thinking to myself, like, we really don't need to know any more biological information from this thing. Like, we need some technical information, how we're going to get out of it. Yeah. You know, and the best person to send then would be Spock. But I think, I think Dr. McCoy was just kind of almost jealous, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Like he he wanted to be the star of the show, no pun intended. Like he <laughs> he wanted to be the guy, hmm. and maybe he wanted to be the captain at the time. And there's probably another. I mean, now that I think about it, you know, when Spock said something referred to McCoy like quippingly as captain at the closer to the end maybe you know he was kind of referring to you've been trying to be the boss this whole episode ah. oh also another one of the funniest quips of the episode spock is like dr mccoy you would have been dead <laughs> yes like, that was good <laughs> why would you say that spock why by the way <laughs> why would you say- that's the 50 percent human in him saying <laughs> Bleep you. Oh, my God. That was so hilarious. And he wasn't wrong, which makes it funny. Like, you you can't really say he was trying to be funny. He was just stating fact. It just so <laughs> happened to be perfect timing. Oh, man. Did anybody... Well, I guess I thought this is you, Kyle. Did you notice a weird um, sequence of words when they were talking about going inside of the, ame- the amoeba? Mm-hmm. I honestly didn't, so enlighten me. <laughs> so Spock goes into the amoeba, of course. But for, for the record, I think they use the word penetration way too much. And I also wonder if they were just trying to be punny. So <laughs> oh, hear God. me out, hear me out. So <laughs> Kirk is like, when do you estimate the penetration? 
Spock says, Spock says, hold on. Showing, um, showing contact in 18.3 seconds. Brace yourselves. The area of penetration is no doubt sensitive. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are they, did they, am I just, am I just a, a, a 10-year-old or did, uh, <laughs> Well, all I know is I, I am now envisioning in my head them vibrating in their chairs. <laughs> Dude, just go For back lack and of watch a better the, term. Go back and watch that part, man. I, I kid you not. Just listen to what they're saying. You can be like, what the? Oh, and then after man. penetration, there's an explosion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We're all kids here. Forgive us. Um, oh, man. But, but but let me say this real quick. You know, it, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when you have these different movies and TV shows where if I am a six-year-old child, I wouldn't have gotten any of what you just said. Actually, as a 48-year-old man almost, I didn't <laughs> get what you just said, which now I think is totally funny. But as an adult... You do get those things, and it gives it a different context, which in a, I guess is a good way of writing, perhaps, maybe? Yeah. It, it depends on their attention. Double-layered? Double-layered. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Start up twice. <laughs> oh, Lord. Here we go. Uh, but, but yeah, they, they, they – and I liked in this episode how they mentioned the threat of this cell-like amiibo thing is, is the threat is that it can propagate, can – uh, <laughs> uh, split and mitosis and get bigger and bigger and bigger and reproduce. I, I like how they kind of frame that. And it does seem like we're in an era where more of the more things are tr- kind of related directly back to things we know. And to me, that's exactly what this episode kind of is. Oh, what if we had an amoeba like structure in space? Let's explore that. Let's explore that story. And that's definitely, um, uh, what I think we got here. Uh, John, let's let's talk a little bit about how everything works in reverse. And it seems to not be uh, it seems to be resistant, uh, non-resistant to things when they're going in reverse. And Kirk comes out with this grand idea that we use antimatter uh, injected into the nucleus and save the day. Um, did you like that explanation? I did. I, I, I It it was very, very sciencey. It, it, <laughs> and it, it made it made sense to me. It really did. And I, I'm no theoretical physicists or biology biologists but i mean it did make sense i mean you it's just so for what we know i mean spock said that the amoeba was charged by negative energy and you know when negative energy and positive energy collides it causes a explosion uh, if you keep feeding it negative energy then i guess it gets bigger i, I mean i'm just yeah. spouting off the top of my head here so I mean, it made sense, and I and I I liked his idea, and I accepted it. I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah, and I also appreciate how they actually set up the rules for that throughout the episode. You know, they they mentioned like uh, going in reverse or, or going in reverse thrusters, and how that wasn't working. Um, or was when they're going in forward thrusters, it didn't work. When they went in reverse thrusters, it did. And I kind of like how they kind of kind of gave us a little logic of how that works. So when we get to the end, and that's Kirk's big epiphany on how to solve the situation. It's not really a surprise to us. He's like, okay, they set up the rules a little bit earlier how this thing works. I just really appreciate right. that. 
So at this point, I'll leave the floor open for um, any other additional thoughts on the episode, anything we didn't cover or I may have mixed or I may have missed. And then I have a few additional fun facts about the episode that that I found on Memory Alpha. So anybody. Mm, I did notice that this was one of the few times that Kirk has this weird looks like a back brace wrap around um shirt or yeah, the tunic captain's, yeah is that what they call Wrap it around tunic, tunic. But, yeah so uh i just found that interesting and i think this was the last time he wore it i think i found that and considering now that it's branded as paramount plus i read somewhere online that this was the first time that it was shown as a paramount production rather than a desi lu production because desi lu had been sold to paramount yeah that's interesting this episode is the birth of the uh, the mountain <laughs> the paramount um you know star trek and paramount which i thought is, is pretty pretty fantastic as now we fast forward 2021 is kind of the staple of their offerings <laughs> yes so really cool this was also, according to Memory Alpha, again, the last time we saw the interior of a shuttlecraft in the series. And, um, Kyle, you mentioned before, too, that this is uh, a plot that we see kind of revisited in Voyager episodes, Bliss and the Cloud. And at this point, we'll just go ahead and, and get everybody's ratings. I will start with Kyle. I think we're going to end with Jonathan because I think we're both going to be a little bit lower. But, Kyle, what, what is your overall rating of this episode, sir? Mm. I'm going to give it a 2.8. I enjoyed all the others that we have watched so far that have been in the original series. This one was the first one that I struggled with to keep my attention. So 2.8. All right. Now I'll go next. I will say that I will rate this episode at about a 3.8. Four, 3.4. Uh, I really had, I really felt the pacing was kind of just a little bit slow, too slow for my taste. And I guess with me, with the TOS episodes, I kind of want that lore or some, you know, butterfly to something in the future series, some thread. And this was, you know, uh, pretty much a self-contained, like you said, John Filler episode. But it does have its merits. And honestly, um, talking about it with you guys made me like it a little bit better than maybe initially coming in. So, yeah, 3.4 for me. What about you, John? Uh, so I, I did. Like I said, it's a filler episode. I love filler episodes, especially when I'm not really I'm just looking for a distraction from life, basically. Um, also, I need to add this. That might be a little important. So I watched this earlier today. I got off probably about four o'clock. Had a couple of things to do this evening, so I had to hurry up and watch this episode. And so as I'm watching it, I decided to use the feature in Netflix where you kind of speed it up. Mm -hmm. So I sped it up one and a quarter speed, uh, which made the conversations a little faster. It moved a little faster. And maybe that's why it probably wasn't a slow pace <laughs> to me. <laughs> you cheat. <laughs> <laughs> but all that being said, man, it. The science made sense to me. We had a lot more comedic moments than the others we've watched in this episode. Uh, we also got a lot of dialogue from the three main characters, and there was a lot of quippy dialogue. Uh, 
And I loved it. It was a simple problem that needed to be solved. It didn't involve a whole lot of thinking. And so all that being said, I give it a solid four. Oh, wow. Okay. 2.8 from Kyle, 3.4 from me, and four from Jonathan. That being said, let's go around the horn and see what everybody has been working on, podcast related or otherwise, or what you've been watching, you're into, whatever. And we'll go back to you, John. What you been into, into man? Uh, honestly, man, it, work has been killing me, so I hadn't had much time to watch anything. I think I watched one Voyager episode in the past two weeks, and that's the only thing I've watched on TV. Uh, other than that, listening to Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, but I do have a couple of things to add since I was a bit behind getting here tonight. I don't know what you guys covered in news. We did um, not. <laughs> so what do you we got? Did not. Oh, I have two very cool things. Number one, the uh, Voyager documentary that they had the Indiegogo campaign for hit a milestone. It hit its uh, 10th milestone, which was $1 million, which oh. is pretty cool. They right. have a, an official name for the documentary, which will be called To the Journey, which I think is an amazing title. Yeah, it's pretty good. That um, is pretty good. And by hitting that $1 million mark, they now can pretty much all of the scenes that they use will be remastered in HD. <gasps> yes. So that's going to, I mean, of course, all of this, it kind of linchpins on whether or not they'll get permission from Paramount to remaster all of those old uh, video shot, all those clips, but I'm pretty sure they will. Uh, and also by hitting that $1 million mark, we will see a never before seen clip from Voyager. Mm, that is I read interesting. Some comments and there was a couple of people in the comments mentioned a captain's yacht that's on the bottom attached mm. to the bottom of Voyager. What? I had no idea, and I have reason, not verified I I would, that. That seems familiar. I think I've heard of a Captain Jot. Well, there was one on the Enterprise E, but I didn't know there was one on Voyager. I didn't either, and maybe it wasn't. Maybe it's not. I mean, I'm just reading comments in the Indiegogo campaign. Huh. So, that'll be interesting to see. I am excited to see what they will come up with for that. Yeah, man. I almost want paramount to just you know take this initial interest and push and go ahead and really fund it and do like an official special or something um you know with with all of the proper footage ties and you know maybe them chip in to help remaster some of this stuff because it would be it would work well on their platform as well so um yeah i, I just want to see paramount plus as a um streaming service do more of this type of stuff to where they go back and revisit. I know they're going back and doing the the uh, real world reunion from the first season of the first cast. They're like, we're doing another season with them. I just want to see them do more of that with Star Trek and do something official. But yeah, kudos to the the Indiegogo campaign here for, for Star Trek Voyager. I just think it's amazing, man. Oh, yes, it is. I, I can't I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Uh, and the last bit of news I have. Uh, so, you know, uh, since we're on the TOS series, you know, William Shatner celebrated his 90th birthday a few days ago. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, yeah. He's done a couple of things, hair replacement and all that for his 90th birthday. But the most important thing was he's partnering with this company that will record him 
and they would like sit him down in front of cameras and ask him a whole bunch of questions of varying topics and record him. These recordings are then fed into AI. The AI analyzes it and basically, I mean, to, in a nutshell, it's going to be his consciousness on an AI. So even after he passes, you can log into this uh, website or go to this company. I don't know how they're going to distribute it. And you can interact with William Shatner, even if he's not with us anymore. And you can ask him questions and he'll answer those questions. And it's based off of all this information. His AI is going to record and kind of surmise how he would answer and how he would move and all that. That's amazing. That's a Black Mirror episode that you need to watch. It really I is. I am not watching. <laughs> okay. It's a good episode. But yeah, uh, I'm reading on uh, avclub.com where they write, uh, Generations in the future, you'll be able to have a conversation with him. Not an avatar, not a deep fake, but with the real William Shatner answering your questions about his life and work. This changes the trajectory of the future of how we experience life today and how we share those lessons and stories for future generations mm. to come. So he's leaving his testimony. Yeah. <laughs> so the name of this company is a uh, story file and you can go to storyfile.com and they actually have, I think their CEO or somebody already did one and you can kind of interact with him. That's cool. Awesome. So, awesome, yeah. man. Well, Cal, I had a little Doctor Who reference there with testimony. Um, what else do you have for us, sir? What 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 have you been into? Uh, I have been recently watching a show called, and it's already off the air now. So I want to say and this is kind of a sad note, but um, I've been watching Arrested Development, which started out on Fox and ended on Netflix, but. I watched it mainly because I was a fan of a character voice from the FXX series Archer that plays the mother, Jessica Walter. Well, unfortunately, she passed away last week. So oh, man. Uh, tipping my hat, uh, my proverbial hat to Jessica Walter for making me laugh not only as um, mother on um, as Mallory Archer on Archer, but also as the mother on Arrested Development, which she is brilliantly funny. So I'm sure she's done a lot other things other than that, but kudos to her and thank you for making me laugh. So there you go. Awesome. And for me, I've been steady watching Snowpiercer. I'm midway through season two. I wish I did join season one, enjoy season one a bit more. But uh, it's getting better. It's getting good. I think we're getting close to the end. Uh, so I'm, I'm really enjoying that as well. And that's kind of it for me. Uh, again, thanks to each and every one of you for joining us for our review of the immunity syndrome. Send in your thoughts, opinions. What did we get wrong? What did we miss about this episode into fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any and all social medias. Once again, thanks for joining. And until next time, guys. Live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe.
Hey guys, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. We've got a bunch of different podcasts over on our network at realitybreached.com, and one of my favorites is Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Shellheads is a deep dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in ways you've never heard before. From the early comic days to the current Nick show, nothing is off limits. Jeff from the Warp Zone Arcade joins me to binge watch and power read through a comprehensive library of TMNT fandom. Check Shellheads out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more details, visit realitybreached.com. Discussing Network.